Welcome to the AR-15 Podcast. AR-15 Podcast. This is the podcast about your favorite black rifle. This show is for you. If you're building your first AR or you've been building ARs for years, there is something we can all do to take our black rifle to the next level. Well, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of the AR-15 Podcast. Tonight, we're going to be doing episode number 217. And for tonight, we're going to be going through some listener feedback. I guess long overdue listener feedback. I keep sending it to JD in anticipation of this show, and I think it's taken us a year. I don't know. When was the last time we had feedback? At least six months. Uh, yeah, it's been six months. We, we've got enough to do two shows. We're going to try to knock out half of it tonight and uh, uh, move through move through it pretty quick. But, uh, hey, man, what have you been up to? You know, um you know, it, it, it's everything's settling down. Um, we're getting back to uh, uh, a new normal. Um, you know, it's good. It's good. Everything is is okay. But um, you know, it's really kind of nice to to do something to get into something back into something that's familiar. And you know, nice. th- this is like my macaroni and cheese of my daily, you know, activity. This is my comfort food. So, just hanging out with uh, good friends and BSing about all sorts of stuff. Nice, sounds good, man. Anything firearm related over the last couple of weeks? It's been it's been a couple of weeks since uh, you and I have sat down. We've had some interviews and stuff come out, but uh, nothing together. We know I had some. I had my daily carry seracoded uh, by RTT. Um, I, I wouldn't call my photograph of the work uh, stellar by any means, but I'm really impressed by the work. I was very pleased with it, so I got that turned around. Um, nice. You know, I got a uh, my tax stamp back for my uh, uh, AR and chambered in 357 SIG, so I have a, uh, what is it, a quarter circle 10 357 SIG barrel that I picked up, and I got my... Uh, uh, New Frontier Armory, um, upper receiver, uh, in. I think that was on back order for two years. Um, what else? I got my, uh, tax step back on the lower, so I had that marked, and I finally got the whole of it put together and assembled, and, uh, I think I can put a fork in it and call it done. It's, uh, everything I want it to be. So let me get this straight. You bought an upper from my lower dealer, Ivan. Yep. Actually, no, let's, let's tell the true story. I bought it with all your information <laughs> and had it shipped to you. I was your middleman. Well, yes, you're kind of like a dealer, I guess. Uh, yeah, I guess I could go with that. As long, as long as I don't have to have an FFL or do any of that garbage. But, well, it's an upper, um, so there's no cereal. You're good. Yeah. Yeah, but uh, Ivan always taking care of us there at New Frontier Armories, as uh, well as Robert. And speaking of uh, RTT Firearms, so I did a, worked on a little project uh, to do some tumblers for the guys um, just to kind of say thank you. Uh, they put in a lot of hard work, and uh, Reed pretty much hasn't given us a pay increase since he hired us. And uh, even if he were to give us like a 50% raise, 50% of nothing – not really good at math, but uh, anyway, we just wanted to say thank you to uh, Anthony and Michael for helping us out. And uh, we hooked up with RTT Firearms, and uh, Evelyn did some amazing work on uh, the tumbler cups that they have. Um, and I really like how they came out. Uh, you can check them out at uh, facebook.com, uh, AR15 Podcast. Uh, we've got a picture there. I think we've got one up on Instagram too at AR15 Podcast. Uh, they're available for sale if you would like them. Um, they're cutting us a pretty good deal. So you can reach out to them. Uh, call RTT Firearms if you're interested in one at 928-230-1729. That's 928-230-1729. And, um, uh, ask for Evelyn, uh, on the cups and, uh, ask her if she's used her baseball bat. Recently, and she's kind of an in- intimidating lady. And <laughs> add a add a baseball bat, and uh, you just say yes, ma'am, to whatever she says. But uh, really, I don't know that intimidating as much as fierce. I think she's fierce, not really intimidating. Nah, add the baseball bat, and I'm, 
And the story I'll tell you off the air. I'll let her tell it uh, on the air. Let her Robert tell it when they come back on the show. But uh, yeah, it's pretty intimidating. So uh, thanks yeah, to RTC yeah. Firearms for taking care of business. Uh, other business to handle. Patriot Patch Company uh, has the pre-orders for the stickers uh, and patches up. PatriotPatch.com. Uh, or patriotpatch.co, uh, you want to go to uh, Partners and then the AR-15 podcast. Uh, we have uh, the pre-order there. We want to make sure we hit the pre-order number, and then we'll run them. Um, the pretty cool-looking logo that Ryan Cross put together for us. Uh, shirts will be coming soon. Um, racked my brain on something that was a little us and a little normal, some sarcastic, some straight talk. And uh, I think Ryan and I came up with a great design uh, that you guys are going to like. So we'll have those shirts out for pre-order soon. Um, just check out patriotpatch.co. And of course, we'll let you know on the show. And in the uh, show notes, you'll be able to find a link to our AR-15 podcast pre-sale stuff. Uh, I think that covers all that. Um, I was on vacation uh, for a week, went to the Pacific Northwest with my family um, that's where my family's from. Uh, I was so close to Aero Precision, um, but the uh, restraining order says like <laughs> 50 miles. So I, I, I may or may not have violated that, but I never came within 50 feet of the front door. So um, it was a nice time, smoky up there. The, the fires uh, going on in uh, Canada. Uh, I got a chance to hook up with some friends and go see Metallica. And uh, also went to a baseball game up there. Ate crickets. Took my sons to the baseball games. They have toasted crickets at Safeco Field. So we decided to live once and try that. Uh, so I survived, I think it was 50 hours of driving in the car with my family. So yeah, nothing nothing firearm-wise, but uh, well, probably firearms weren't recommended on that trip. It's still <laughs> a very interesting week. Yeah. Well, hey, before we get started, who do we need to thank? I uh, just, just want to say thanks real quick to uh, Chris, Tyler, and Taylor. Um, reached out a call for some help on the podcast. Um, we're interested in expanding and doing some things. Um, the network, the Firearms Radio Network, has kind of changed hands over the last couple of weeks, and we're excited about uh, the future. So, uh, Chris, Tyler, and Taylor, thank you for your help. And uh, we look forward to you guys coming onto the team and uh, some of those guys maybe showing up on future episodes uh, to try out being co-hosts. Um, Anthony and Michael uh, are really busy. Anthony, isn't he on like a world tour with Rat and, you know, Def Leppard or something like that? He's he's a very important person putting on. I think it's Santana actually is who it legitimately is. Uh, Anthony is very sought after for his skills and uh all that technical stuff. Mm-hmm. So uh, we miss, I miss Anthony. I only get an occasional text that he lets me know he's alive. And um, I'm not sure if Michael's alive or not. Have you heard from him? You know, I haven't, but I think he's traveling. He's been doing some training is what I understand. Like firearm training? No, you know, corporate policy won't training. <laughs> wow. Fascinating life there. So um, thanks to those guys. Uh, also, you know, Tom Gonzalez has been a supporter of the show for a long time. Jason also supporting the show monthly. Um, we'd like to share with you something that Tom uh, said to us this week. For some reason, we friended him on Facebook, and uh, now he can pester us directly through our, uh, you know, our private pages. Uh, but this is what Tom said this week, and I think this will, you know, just be a blessing to everybody who hears it. Tom said this on a personal note. I was wondering if I was the only one that likes to wear underwear with elephant trunk and clear the house with my AR. Thanks for the monthly support, Tom. And guys, that's, that's what we have to deal with. Um, not every day, but pretty much every other day uh, from Tom <laughs> Gonzalez, who is a, I think he's been a faithful listener since day one. So um, with that, I think that's all the thank yous we have to go through right now uh jwb military and brass sponsors tonight's main topic go to jwbmilitary.com use the promo code arp10 for 10 percent off quality once fired military reloading rest ar500 steel targets and much much more um they've been sponsoring uh, the ar15 podcast now for a year so uh thank you guys thank you to jwb military and brass for believing in uh, a group of friends that gets together and talks about their favorite black rifles uh, sometimes whiskey, sometimes iron sights, uh, the love for lowers, and Gloria Gainers, I will survive. Yeah, don't be dissing on Gloria. 
All right. I'm yeah. Just stand I saw it. I saw something and I was on vacation. We were watching some, they were watching some show and, uh, it talked about her being on tour, like being up there in Seattle. And I said, man, I bet Reed's going to be at the Emeralds Queen Casino in like Seattle and uh, just to be front row to uh, sing that song to be oh, able that's, to. That's, that's a little defamatory, a little excessive. I'm going to, I'm going to like come out and tell you, um, I am not as hopelessly um, riveted to another age as you might say. I mean, I, nah, I'm not even going to tell you. I'll tell you off the air. It has okay. to do with Neil Diamond, <laughs> but yeah. No. Oh, my God. So, Apparently, we're going to be coming to America here off anyway, the air. Anyways, so <laughs> no, I had no intention of seeing her in concert. All right, so um, enough with our babble. Uh, we're going to do some rapid fire listener feedback. Reed is on the clock. Um, I'm going to try to give get him to give semi short answers because we got a lot of feedback to get to. Up first, uh, Tyler W writes in, uh, Reed thoughts on the 6.8 SPC in the Grendel, uh, things from the range, huntability, bullet selection, reloading, trusted barrel bolt makers, uh, would love a whole show on wild catch. Uh, a whole co- show on Wildcats uh, with as many calibers and info as you can get. Also, thoughts on the AR-10 Platform's 45 Raptor. So, um, the 6.8 SPC, I don't have any experience with. I just put together a Grendel build, and I, I'm I'm really fairly impressed. Uh, you know, in terms of performance, uh, bullet selection, um, I think the, the the capabilities, the potential is uh, pretty remarkable in terms of, of what the Grendel can do. I don't know that it's as expansive in terms of scope uh, when compared to the, the 6.5 Creedmoor, but I'm, I'm pretty happy for what it gives you in the AR platform. I mean, I think the, the Creedmoor has a lot of... Uh, I don't know, credibility standing behind it to support the, the, the cartridge, but it's in an AR 10 platform. And, you know, as much as I like it, they're heavy beastie things, but, um, the 6.8 SPC, I, I don't know if I'm going to go that route at all with uh, a Grendel build in hand. There's nothing that really kind of, uh, is prompting me to switch gears into that kind of space, but. Um, I to do a 6.5 Creedmoor? No, a 6.8 SPC. Oh, okay. You know, I think the Grendel's fine. I've already got plans to put together a Creedmoor. <laughs> I mean, that, that's just kind of in the planning stages. But, um, you know, uh, when it comes down to some of the other fine points, uh, Tyler, uh, while I built my own and uh, I got a really good deal on a nice barrel and a mated bolt, and I've uh, done some test shooting and got the rifle zeroed in, shooting where I want. Um, the, the reloading aspect, while I've kind of browsed through it, uh, I haven't really taken it up. I've got my dies. I've you know got the components, and I'm going to start you know putting some things together. I think what I'm going to have to do, Tyler, is come back and really kind of put together a show for all of us to talk about. Um, and I think the Grendel is worthy of an entire episode. And I think uh, when we get a Creedmoor, did you put a Creedmoor together? I have everything except the stock um, to put together. Looking at a, a Magpul PRS, right. the um, the wife has kind of put the kibosh on any more spending. So, well, it's, My, as soon as we get a chance to have some Grendel comparisons, we'll. I mean, uh, Creedmoor comparisons. We'll have a Creedmoor show as well. Okay. Um, you know, I think really kind of, you know, the 45 Raptor, 458, um, the, what is it? What's Alexander Arms? The Beowulf? Beowulf. You yeah. Know, 50 Bushmaster. I, that is a space where I, I don't, I don't feel compelled to go in terms of my own personal expenditures. I know it interests a lot of people. There's a lot of, um, attempts to get into that. Um, scale of a projectile, you know, 45 caliber and up in an AR platform. Um, so I think we're going to have to probably make that a consolidated episode and really kind of go over the full range of those choices and see where that leads us. 
But um, yeah, those are my thoughts. I like the Grendel. Um, the six point eight doesn't really excite me, and you know, uh, of all of the forty five plus um, caliber options in the AR, uh, I have no way of differentiating them at this point. So there you go. You know, and uh, just for listeners' sake, uh, we have reached out to Alexander Arms a lot on numerous and, occasions. Uh, yeah, I you know before Shot Show last year, met at Shot Show, talked to several people, have reached out after, and we just we just don't get any contact back. I mean, I'll, I'll keep reaching out to them, but um, maybe if they hear from you guys, if you want. 50 Beowulf on the show or whatever else they offer. Uh, maybe you guys need to reach out to him and uh, give him some pressure because uh, we'd really like to talk to him. We have a lot of questions and we think they have a pretty cool thing, uh, but you know, you, you can only do so much. I mean, it took two and a half years to finally get Noveski to come on the show and it was totally <laughs> worth it. Um, I wonder if Alexander arms is going to be the next two and a half year uh, holdout, but maybe. Yeah. So uh, up next, Jason, um, he writes in, he says, uh, I'd like to hear your guys' opinion and take on the NRA and how people are becoming so disappointed in that organization. Uh, also, is there any good alternatives? Um, and then also like our take on the 7.62 by 39 round in an AR platform. Hmm. My opinion and take on the NRA. I mean, I, I've got one. I mean. Well, go ahead and uh, tell me what your opinion is of the NRA. You, you know what? I think. I think the NRA serves a purpose for what it does, um, but things adapt and change. You know, just like new technology is coming into where uh, your old magazine about guns may not be reaching as many people as a new media is. uh, There has to be, uh, you have to adapt and change with the times. Um, And maybe the NRA is doing that and maybe they're not. Um, I'm a member of the NRA. Uh, I will continue to be a a member of the NRA, but they don't necessarily represent me in a lot of things when it comes to the black rifle. I mean, there's not a lot that they do, you know, for the rifle. And then, um, you know, my biggest beef is that I can't bring my 20 round drum fed Sega 12 to a, you know, NRA shotgun thing. You know, they, they won't allow it. So, I mean, I think... Um, well, that's because they're the National Rifle Association. Like, the nation of the United States. Not My, my Sega 12 has enough American-made parts to be considered a... Uh, I don't know what you want to call it, a biracial child oh, of geez. love from JD. Oh, jeez. <laughs> no. And... Uh, <laughs> so I think uh, one of the ways it's changing is uh, a couple people that are running for the NRA board. Um, you know, I'm a fan of Adam Kraut. I think he has some good ideas for what we're doing. Uh, I know the guys over at We Like Shooting um, have a guy that they are pushing uh, to support. And I think that's the way we make the change happen um, for us that uh, maybe the NRA doesn't serve all our needs. But you know what? Uh, without the NRA, uh, we'd probably be in a much worse position than we are today. So I'm very thankful for the organization. Well, you know, I think here's my take. I think that you have a lot of people that have sprung into the whole firearms lifestyle. Um, I think a lot of that's probably brought on by uh, what we've done in the Middle East in the last, uh, what, 16 years. I think it's driven by the offshoot of kind of the the cachet of all of that um, being a part of uh, the American culture, and that's driven uh, firearms in this kind of frenzied growth stage that we haven't seen since the post World War II era. And the problem is, is that all of these new shooters are dealing with an NRA that is still comprised of, run by, supported by predominantly post-World War II um, NRA members. You know, uh, one, that's going to change because as they age out and become either less involved or pass on, we're going to have young blood come in. And, you know, that also holds true for leadership. But I think the problem is also compounded by the fact that 
you know, it's a new day and age. Uh, you know, the guys that bought lifetime memberships and endowed their memberships, um, I don't think you're going to find many 22-year-olds, 24-year-olds, you know, 30-year-olds that think of the world in the same way. And those are the guys that are casting the votes, that are putting the board seats, you know, uh, they're, they're electing uh, people to the board seats, and they're making the decisions for the NRA. And the NRA board members politically are appealing to those individuals for their votes. So when the younger generation becomes uh, larger in numbers, uh, such that their votes can um, overshadow the votes of the existing members, they'll have their say. And so really when it comes down to it, if you're disappointed with the NRA, get a life membership. Encourage everybody that thinks like you to get a life membership. And when you've all gotten a life membership, go to the meetings and vote. And then it'll change pretty rapidly. But you know, the NRA is not uh, a rowboat. It's the Queen Mary. It's not going to turn around you know, in an afternoon. So there you go. Um, Jason, is the, the last part of your problem re, or question, uh, Reed, I don't know if you have one of these. I don't have one of these, but I think in, um, one of the 5,000 messages to messages that Tom Gonzalez sends us each week, um, I believe he just built one, right? He did. Yes. Tom, so, Tom has built or has just built one of everything that we've ever talked about. <laughs> And he wants my gun budget. I'm like, bro, I want your gun budget. Um, so here's, here's what I'm going to do, Jason. Tom, I know you're going to listen to this. Uh, I'd like you to write up your thoughts on the uh, 7.62 by 39 round uh, AR that you just built. And uh, we will share them with Jason. Maybe even we'll have Tom on as long as we can control the mute button. But, uh, to talk about it. So, uh, Tom, if you do that for us, Jason, we'll get you some hands on, um, hands on experience and opinion from somebody we trust about, I don't know, about 57% of, of his, his thoughts. So, uh, Tom, thanks for helping us out with that. Uh, up next, Joe writes in, uh, proper cleaning times and methods. Um, he's a, I asked, uh, what do you want feedback on or what question uh, you'd like to ask? Read uh, proper cleaning times, uh, methods for your AR, I'm assuming, uh, when to or not to use a bore brush. All right. Well, if you want to use the Marine Corps method, it's every time you come back from the range, um, the proper method is uh, the largest container of gasoline that you can dip your entire uh, upper or lower receiver into and then uh, use a bore brush every time you clean. Um, and preferably on a uh, military-issued uh, multi-part steel uh, rod. So now, you know, personally, I don't, uh, I don't clean my firearms every time I come back from the range. I make sure that they're properly lubricated. I uh, do whatever preventative maintenance I need to do to make sure that I don't have any moisture or rust uh, issues. And um, then I kind of clean them on a, you know, periodic basis, you know, quarterly, you know, every half year, maybe every year. Just kind of depends, um, but you know I think that it also matters what you're doing with it. If you got something that you're going to use every day, every week in training, I think that you know a uh, likewise diligent cleaning regimen needs to be undertaken. Um, you know, for the ones that I pay the least attention to, they're the ones that um, I'll have enough time if I'm going to pull them out of the uh, safe to look them over clean them up on the spot before I take them out to the range. So those firearms aren't like uh, ready-use firearms. I don't carry them daily. I don't make them available to me daily for that kind of purpose. So I really don't know that there is a right or a wrong answer. And so I think what you do is you just take the steps that you feel are necessary to make sure that your firearm's not going to deteriorate and then clean it when you don't get the performance you want out of it. Up next, Craig uh, Valentine writes in, uh, I have a 14.5-inch BCM carbon, carbine length barrel. What weight buffer should I be running to help compensate for the barrel length? I also have a rifle-length BCM that feels much different. Uh, I know it's a longer gas system. I'm wondering if changing 
My buffer weight currently at 4.3 would help. I'm running a JP Enterprises carving length polished silent spring with it. Um, thanks, guys. Well, Craig, I think that this is a question without enough information. You know, the the question is, what are you trying to change by modifying the weight of your buffer? I mean, if you've got some bolt bounce, if you've got some timing issues, if you've got, you know, I don't know, stovepipes, whatever. I mean, it, it's not a formulaic process. You know, I think that the idea of tuning a rifle is dependent on factors that are typically beyond most people's uh, observational scope. Like, you know, how big is the gas port? You know, is it oversized or undersized? Is it the right size? Are you having issues driven by a particular load? Are you shooting hot ammunition or not? Um, you know, without a little bit more, I couldn't tell you. But here's what I'm going to say. Uh, all of my... SBRs, uh, except for the 357 SIG, because of the nature of the um, pistol caliber ARs, you know, I, I don't have um, buffers that are modified from the original buffers. I do have a full length that I have a different buffer on, but that was to address the specific problem. So um, perhaps, uh, Craig, you can give me a little more information. We can try to... Um, make it more contextual and really uh, see if I can provide an answer that's directed at what you're asking. So there. Uh, up next, Robert asks, uh, I have an old 1945 Browning A5 12-gauge shotgun uh, that is in rough condition but still functions fine. Uh, it just looks bad. No pitting, but definitely needs to be redone. I was kind of handed down to me from my wife's uncle who isn't with us anymore, and I was wondering if I should have it Cerakoted or just keep shooting it to, and keep it from getting worse or to try contact Browning to see about a reblue and service. Well, I mean, I don't know. I mean, the purist in me would tell, tell you, would say to me, uh, see about getting it reblued. You know, if it's not a collector, if refinishing it is not going to destroy some collector value, then you know, I don't see why you wouldn't just go in and, and make it like uh, it just came off the assembly line. Um, you know, if what you're trying to do is, you know, take the uh, the angst of having to maintain it out of the picture, you know, seracote the whole dang thing and just be done with it. You know, you'll never have to worry about it again. And, you know, I think that would be fine. Uh, certainly the whole process of prepping uh, the, the metal for the Cerakote job is going to, you know, strip it down to what is essentially, you know, the bare metal uh, and remove any uh, corrosion that uh, would be on it. I mean, that's my understanding. But, uh, you know, the purist in me would say re-blew it, but, you know, that's just me. Uh, if you want to go the Cerakote route, you can, uh, and you had questions about it, uh, shoot Robert at RTT a question. He's, he's the, uh, oh, yeah. Cerakote Ninja Jedi right Master. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, he, he'll know. And I know they've, uh, I remember them doing some, um, older guns and, uh, doing restorations and things like that. So he may be able to lead you towards bluing or, uh, Cerakote. Shoot him an email and I'm, I'm he, sure he'll get you a quick he response. He may be able to blue. I, I don't know what, what kind of um, setups they have, but that might be within their capabilities. Yeah. Um, up next, Brandon writes in, uh, I'm, buy I'm in the parts buying phase of my first build. Hey, so am I. Uh, a 308 composed mostly of aero precision components. Same with me. Uh, I'm looking for a good, reliable, adjustable gas block, more particularly, uh, more particular in stainless steel versus black. I'm leaning towards the JP adjustable block, but I'm concerned if the adjustability while the handguard is on since the adjustment screw is on the side of the block. Uh, any input would be great as far as other companies to look into or experiences with the JP block. Hmm. Uh, you know, I don't have any experience with the JP block. But, you know, I think the question I would have is, why do you need an adjustable gas block? Um, I mean, if you run the 308 
suppressed. Yeah, but I'm not the I'm not the smartest guy in the podcast right now. I'm window dressing. You're the you're the brains of the operation, so I'm just throwing stuff out there. Yeah, you know, I like JP, but you know, here's the thought. If you're going to get a three oh eight, I'm I'm I can't imagine too many builds where you would be where you would feel compelled to um have the flexibility to adjust your um, gas block for the the pressures. I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but if you were to like reload your own rounds for accuracy and do testing like that, the adjustable gas block may be something you want, right? You know, no, no. I mean, really, I think that in, in common usage today, the adjustable gas block is driven primarily by a need to have um, some way to uh, tame suppressed firearms. Um, you know, I look at a 308 and my particular bent on it, my lack of imagination in the construction of a 308 says, you're not likely to go much below an 18-inch barrel. You're going to use a 308 to reach out and touch something. Um, you're not trying to use it for, you know, carbine length or SBR length, uh, you know, close quarters um, with a suppressor because there are other, I think, more suitable configurations for some of those jobs other than the 308. So if you're going to have, you know, an 18 or you know, longer inch barrel on a, you know, rifle length or mid length gas system, the adjustable gas block really, to me, seems to have lost the greatest part of its utility and purpose in that build. And so then the question is, why not just get a good stainless gas block that isn't adjustable um, and leave it as is? Because really, the step up in price to go from, you know, fixed to adjustable, I think is pretty significant and... If you can't find a compelling reason to need that adjustability, why do it? You know, if you're going to be shooting reloads, if you're going to be shooting hot loads, if you're going that route, I think you can easily manage any of those um, issues that um, an adjustable gas port might manage. I mean, other than overgassing, um, with you know buffer and spring adjustments. And if you're going to load test and find that perfect load, um, when you get your perfect load and it's doing everything you want it to do, then I think you go back and you tune the rifle so that it performs um, the way that you want it to. So there. Up next is uh, Connor. Um, and I'm going to put Connor and Robert's question together. Um they kind of asked together, um, we'll make it two parts, um, 80% lowers, worth the hassle or not? Uh, and then, depending on yes or no, uh, what are some good 80% lowers and or jig sets? So we had a guest on that um, we talked about 80% lowers. And while I address the worth it or not component, can you find... Uh, the name of that company, J.D.? Yeah, I'll go look for it. So here is my thought in terms of whether or not it's worth it. I think that it's definitely worth it. You know, number one, I think that there is nothing like the, I don't know, the hobby, the, the you know, everything that a hobby provides you. You know, I I really enjoy getting out into my shop and doing things with my own hands. So I think that it's a fascinating process. Um, you know, I'm a realist and a pragmatist. I'm, uh, you know, by nature supposed to be a cynic because of the nature of my um, educational background and profession. And there is this competing idea that, you know, okay, well, anything can happen. Uh, and, you know, uh, more often than not, uh, the thing that happens is the thing that you most not want to happen at the most inconvenient time for it to happen. Um, so 
I think the 80% lower is really kind of a neat idea that, you know, there isn't really a way for anybody to, uh, you know, go and, uh, harass an FFL and get the list of the last five things you bought or all the things you've ever bought from that guy. Um, so uh, <laughs> I guess it's the, the deeply, uh, uh, repressed, uh, conspiracy uh, theorist to me says, yeah, go ahead and get yourself a couple 80% lowers, make sure they work, and then stash them someplace that nobody will find them. But, you know, I think that it's definitely worth it. Just if, if, if for nothing else, the sense of accomplishment, the, the, the enjoyment of it, that's for me the driving force. But there is a lot to be said for the lack of tangibility in the eyes of uh, those people that put serial numbers on everything. Um, so JD, did you have any success finding our old? It was 80% arms, um, episode 113, which was, uh, February 2015. So that is another source, uh, you can go to Connor. Um, you know, I think that for the most part, uh, the available sets out there are following a pretty common pattern in terms of how they look to design the jigs and assemble them and sure some have nuanced approaches that others haven't necessarily incorporated and so you might find one is easier for you than another uh, and others may disagree with your choice of or your ideas of what is a good or an easy jig um, you know in terms of the lowers I'm not really all that concerned with who is, you know, claiming credit for manufacturing the lower, the the billet, as long as they are at least stepping to the table with uh, the minimum uh, necessary requirements for that billet to be um, compliant. So I think when it comes down to it, um, just be careful on the jigs that at least they're uh, in keeping with contemporary thoughts on how they should be assembled, probably pay close attention to feedback. And then as far as the lowers, I think you're probably good as long as uh, a major retailer is selling them. There shouldn't be much to worry about. They're very unwilling to put their own good name at risk for somebody to peddle some garbage. Um, kind of reminds me of the whole uh, Amazon fiasco with those Eclipse things. Uh, up next, Alex writes in, says, uh, I'd love to hear you guys talk about the M1, M16A1 and M16A2 clones. He built one just recently, didn't you? Yeah, I built an A1 clone. You know, here's what I have to tell you about the A1 clone. It's hard to get all of the components in the same room at the same time. I, what, what, what were the hardest components for you to get? The rear sight drum. Mm-hmm. How was the furniture to get? You know, I was able to get... I was lucky because what they're selling, the triangle, triangular handguards for, the retro ones, not the retro, the original ones, is pretty reasonable. But more often than not, they've got teeth missing and they're a little dinged up. I got one that was not in bad shape at all. It was in great shape. Um, it had a rivet pop, but, you know, that's kind of to be expected for something that's that old. But um, so I wasn't – I didn't – find it hard to get one, you're just going to find it hard to get a perfect one. And I don't know, someday someone's going to come out and start making them, and, you know, it's going to be easy again. But I think think Brown Nose was talking about actually making them uh, at last year's shot, and and we haven't seen anything. I haven't seen anything about that yet. July 31st on Brownell's uh, Instagram feed, uh, they posted... Um, they posted an M16 on their on their site uh, with furniture. I don't know if you can see this very well. You see that kind of baby diaper green right there? I do. Uh, they did make a comment that the uh, uh, furniture color is prototype only and not the final intended color, uh, but it looks like they're jumping in to make some of that furniture to make it easier to get. It could be. And you know what? Um, we're not quite to the mm, end of the third quarter. 
Who knows? They, they might have it ready before the end of the year. We'll see. Yeah, we will. You know, that could be a cool rifle giveaway too. Oh yeah, absolutely. You know, in terms of the uh, A2 clones, you know, I'm I'm a big fan of the A2 because that's the rifle that I learned to shoot. The iron sights I fell in love with. But you know, here's the thing. I I think that you can really, really aesthetically find that that niche for the A1, but the A2 is, you know, it, it's almost like a placeholder to go from the A1 to what we're using today. Um, and so I don't know that many people build A2s for nostalgia. Um, you know, I I, I do want to get one of those um, FN uh, A2s, but that's just me i i also have an a2 upper that i'm contemplating a build for but i don't know where i'm going to be on that yet see i learned something new every day i thought you or every time we talk i thought you originally carried in the marines like a lever action 3030 yeah no on marines a horse never been that's a cavalry you jack wagon <laughs> <laughs> so you didn't start with the lever action no 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 did you have spurs on your boots back then yeah, no, we we never had. I don't even think the Marines have ever had horses. Oh, okay. Well, I I just I mean they didn't have cars back then or jeeps or anything. So I just wondered how you got around. Yeah, we used to have mules. So you guys had jackasses? Is what you're saying? Nope, we had mules. Jackasses or donkeys? That's a different thing. Okay. Um, Justin wrote in before we get too far off the rails. Uh, adjustable gas blocks, hydraulic buffers, opinions. You know, I like the adjustable gas block when you need it. And so I've got some SBRs. I shoot suppressed, and I have adjustable gas blocks. They're great. Um, I do think that there's a point that, you know, it's not doing anything for you. You know, if you're shooting a 20-inch barrel rifle length uh, gas system, you know, AR-15, Designed the way that, you know, uh, Stoner originally envisioned that rifle. It doesn't need an adjustable gas block. It's tuned to the cartridge it's shooting and no adjustments necessary. You know, you start deviating from that point and yes, there are times when there is some compelling reason to put on an adjustable gas block. So, but I, I, I do like them. Um, hydraulic buffers, you know, I haven't met a problem that couldn't be solved with a better spring. And so modifying my buffers has never been, uh, you know, a, a primary approach to tuning for me. So I don't really have a lot of thoughts on the hydraulic buffers. Um, I don't know. I, I, I guess it's just going to have to be a personal preference for you, Justin. Um, Maybe we should think about whether or not there are enough hydraulic buffers in the market to, you know, put a show together on and see what we can get done to test them out and see what their impact is. What do you think, JD? If you're talking, you're muted. So just, just to let you know. I was looking at the FM or FN M16A2 <laughs> stuff. I figured, can I buy it before Reed does? That's the new game we play. Yeah, it's not really a game. It's, you know, your torment and torture. Uh, but yes, we can uh, look into hydraulic buffers and uh, see what we can do about a show. Um, Jason, up next, uh, got a question for the really, really old man uh, or anyone else out there. Uh, looking for some good but ex inexpensive iron sights for the AR-15 and 10 platforms. Thanks all. I think this is going to be where Reed is, is, uh, torn because good and inexpensive. I'm not sure that exists, Reed. It does. It does. Yep. Magpul original, um, backup iron sights. That is, I think, as good and as inexpensive as you're ever going to get. Nice. Now, certainly make sure you buy them from Magpul and not the Chinese knockoff company. Yeah, uh, we're, so it's funny you mentioned that. Um, 
Zach Law, uh, Law, the Law Tactical Folder guy. Um, I've watched him, you know, talk about counterfeit products and stuff. I'm not sure I would feel comfortable after the the research with Zach and seeing the stuff he's posted uh, if I would buy anything from Amazon or eBay that is firearms related. I'm pretty sure I would just stick to reputable dealers, uh, your local gun stores, Brownells, things like that. Yeah. Um, because uh, you're you if it seems too good to be true, it is. It is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No getting around that. Well, and, and uh, you know, by the same token, you can always go to Magpul and you can buy them direct. Yeah, and we're talking. We're trying to convince Zach to come on the show and uh, talk about that very subject along with the law tactical folder and stuff. So that's kind of my thought on that, and I think it really is an easy solution. Nice. So, did we really just blaze through six months of feedback, or is that only? Uh, we well, we we blazed through. This is all the feedback that I took from Facebook. Um, I have about sixteen emails um, that we're going to have to um, knock out in the next feedback show, which we should probably do next, and then uh, and figure it out. This one. I'm not exactly sure when this is going to come out because uh, the show before this episode 216 is uh, listener questions with Jeremy from Silencer Shop, and uh, we also have some uh, breaking news that uh, they're going to be sharing with us uh, when that show releases. So uh, that'll be the show before this one um, if the release schedule stays the way it is. May change if um, there's a little monkey in the ranch uh, with that, but I don't think it will. I think we'll be able to stay out on schedule and probably do two listener feedback shows back to back. If Reed and I can clear our busy schedules. Yeah, I think that could, uh, that could be done. Cool. So, uh, that's it for, uh, the feedback this time. Uh, if you do have feedback, send it to, uh, AR 15. Well, I should probably pull the notes up in front of me so I don't screw up the email address. Uh, send it to ar15.podcast at gmail.com. That's ar15.podcast at gmail.com. Reed is, uh, you know, sometimes we're a little slow in the feedback episodes, but Reed's pretty good with communicating with you. Um, subscribe uh, and no, listen. I, I haven't. I've been awful the last five months. And it's only because I thought okay. we were going to do one of these more quickly. So Okay. Well, uh, we apologize for not getting back to you. Um, subscribe so and listen useful. to the ar Subscribe and listen to the AR-15 podcast for free uh, in iTunes or Stitcher. You know, Reed's getting old. He forgets things. It, it just, it's going to happen. Uh, share your pics with us on Instagram at AR-15 podcast. Uh, tag your pictures too with our hashtag. Uh, follow us on Facebook, facebook.com, AR-15 podcast. Uh, check out the other great podcasts on the Firearms Radio Network. Uh, don't forget to use the Brownells affiliate links for all your AR-15 parts needs. Um, and uh, use the Amazon affiliate links at the air, or firearmsradio.tv and uh, check it out. Um, also, uh, I think I remember listening to the like the first couple episodes of Gun Guy Radio uh, way back when, uh, when Jake first started. Uh, I've been a radio broadcasting now for 21 years, and uh, I remember listening uh, to Jake do it for the first couple episodes and I encouraged him and, and kept listening. And, um, I heard these two guys on the AR 15 podcast. One of them, I couldn't stand. Uh, the other one, I'm like, I'm going to be friends with that guy one day. And, uh, unfortunately that guy's no longer with the show. So, (laughs) (laughs) but, um, I, I, was a listener and uh, really appreciated what Jake did in the way of, you know, what we call firearms radio. I mean, there's, there's other things out there, um, but gun guy radio and, and AR, the AR 15 podcast and uh, this week in guns and several of the other shows that have come and gone over the last goodness, four years, four and a half years uh, have been really cool and really helped me um, in my pursuit of my addiction of buying lowers and, Hopefully other components that will complete weapons one day or rifles one day. But uh, Jake has uh, stepped aside and hand o- handed over the uh, uh, basically the leadership of the network to uh, Sean Heron from uh, We Like Shooting. And uh, Reed's talked with Sean, and uh, we are excited about the working with Sean in the, in the future of the network and uh, doing some cool things. Jake is uh, retiring uh, he's running a Patriot Patch company still. He'll uh, still be around with us. But uh, I just want to say thank you. And uh, Jake really, you know, helped us out. 
and uh, kind of just left me and Reed alone for the last two years, <laughs> really, when we're going through stuff. But uh, Jake saw a vision and did something. So uh, pretty cool when you want to do something and you actually take that first step and it does something pretty cool and it impacts other people. And then Reed let me come be on the show about two and a half years ago. So Yeah, I just, I guess, succumbed to all the begging and the whimpering and the pleading. So Yeah, I sent you one email. <laughs> it was, hey, uh I like your show. I've been in radio for this long. Uh, what do you think? Come on in. <laughs> that was our open door so, policy days. <laughs> we let anybody on the show. Yeah, we do. Michael and Anthony, you know. <laughs> but uh, thanks, Jake. Um, I don't know if he's going to listen to this. But uh, anyway, what are some of the high- amber amber dextrous amber dextrous amber dextrous. Amber yeah, so. Dextrius. Oh, it so it's awesome. pretty cool. If Jake can if Jake can start like a firearms radio network and do some of the cool stuff that he's done, I guess I can finish a rifle. Well, you know, I think, you know, it's it's like Annette Funicello telling all of her buddies on the beach, Hey gang, let's go put on a show. You know, and all of a sudden we have a network and we're four years into it and people actually listen to us. <laughs> I mean, it's I totally, hysterical. I mean, I it, you really it is wonder how we go from A to B. I'm I'm still astonished. Like I look at the numbers of like you guys that listened and uh, you guys that sent us feedback, and it's really cool. Um, you know, we enjoy it, and we hope to expand to maybe a couple more hosts in the future. So um, Reed and I aren't trying to carry the bucket of water up the hill alone, uh, because sometimes we just drop the bucket and decide to to go. Uh, get something to eat and eat some good barbecue and have a drink or two, uh, sing some songs because, uh, you know, life takes place. But, uh, if you're interested, you know, we could always do the American idol process with you and, and work you out. Oh yeah. Maybe um, we could do an episode of podcast out of that. We'll get some judges and, and wouldn't it be great. Yeah. Yeah. Who could we get? We could get, um, do, do I get the golden be, buzzer? You could, you could. We could have Reed. Um, we could have Peter Palma. Uh, oh, good lord! That would be a show <laughs> off its wheels. <laughs> we could get uh, we get a couple of salty guys on here and, and make oh, it happen. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, but if you're interested, uh, ar fifteen podcast at gmail dot com. I uh, got Tyler, Taylor, and Chris uh, that are uh, in the wings that we're going to do some stuff once. The schedule settles down a little bit, but we've got three shows coming out. We'll have a regular schedule, and uh, I'm just going to stop rambling now. I think it would probably be wise. Okay. Well, ladies and gentlemen, thank you for another great week. You tune back in next week for another podcast. Thanks. Have a good night. This has been a production of the Firearms Radio Network. You can find more information at firearmsradio.tv.